If you've been with us uh, any length of time, you know that we've been in a series called Kingdom Prep Academy. Prepare for heaven, flourish now. And I've gone to great pains to say, when we say flourish now, flourishing now does not mean uh, that you get the happy life that we sort of associate with American, you know, the good life, the American dream. That's not, that's not what flourishing now is about in, in Scripture. It's not what it's about spiritually. It is flourishing, it is real, but it's a different kind of flourishing. It's a flourishing that's, that's compounded with satisfaction, peace. It's the kind of flourishing where you're actually living out the life that God created you to live. And there is satisfaction in that, but it doesn't guarantee you kind of what we think we ought to have if we pay attention to the uh, story that our culture tells us. And I just wanted to stop, because uh, we're, we're at this, uh, this inflection point. We're at a turning point in, in Jesus' teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. Things are about to get real. And so I, before they do, I wanted us to just kind of look back for a minute at all the things that Jesus has already said. These are transforming initiatives, things that you can do right now in your life to begin living heavenly life now. Okay, we've done seven, we've had seven weeks of these. Different things. And I want, I want you just to take a look at them and just try, if, if you were here, wonderful, try to remember how great those sermons were. And if you, uh, if you, if you weren't here, uh, I'm going to give you the one line, like, uh, sum up. And I want you to see what it is that uh, Jesus has called us to do as we prepare for kingdom life, to inherit it, and as we flourish now. The first thing is um, about uh, hate. Diffuse the anger bomb. Uh, we likened uh, anger and rage to um, a, a, an IED, a, an explosive device that is just festering and, and and growing, and if, and if someone's angry with you, and, and they have hatred towards you, and you don't go and reconcile with them, or try to reconcile with them, you are inviting that bomb to go off. And it might hurt you, it might hurt others, but really, Jesus says, this is how, this is how murder happens. This is how vicious hate happens, is when we let that stuff go. And so, it, that's, that's, a, that's something you can do today. You can go to the people who are angry with you, the people who hate you, and try to defuse the anger bomb, to try to reconcile with them. But guess what? That's no fun, and it's really hard to do. Second, uh, on marriage, Jesus teaches burn your boats. Really, really, Jesus is in a culture where divorce is rampant, and it's abusive towards women. Um, it's, a, it's the kind of thing where, where men are, are casting women aside uh, left and right, and Jesus wants to put a stop to it. And so he says, guys, I want you to burn your boats. I want your um, sexual satisfaction. I want your um, life satisfaction to be with this person, and I want you to just give it up other places. That's the only way we're going to stop this. Uh, we talked about how that might be um, different nowadays where uh, 70% of divorces are initiated by women in our culture and how um, that might be, a, it might, might be a different teaching now. But the idea being, let's stop this. Number three, keeping everything together, it takes a team of truth tellers. Jesus says, I want you to tell the truth. I want you to be people who are, have integrity, credibility, you're believable. And what that does is it costs you in our culture because our culture is designed to be a place where you keep it to yourself. You don't tell the truth. And if you, and if you say something, you can turn on a dime and get out of it. Being a person of integrity is not, doesn't matter here. You can get away. In fact, you can succeed really well by not being a truth teller. And Jesus is saying, I want my community, I want my church to be a place where we're honest with each other, where we bear it, bear it all out. Boy, exposing yourself, that's fun, right? <laughs> Nope. It's terrible because when you expose yourself, everyone realizes what a terrible human you are. Number four, a better justice. It's not weak to turn the other cheek. 
um, we talked about how uh, in, in Jesus' day, it, 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 he was calling for people to stop looking to get theirs and get their justice here and now. Instead, to look for healing in a community, to look for a people that, that work together and love each other. And that might mean letting some stuff go. It might mean not getting yours. It might mean putting up with people that you really don't want to put up with. And again, that's no fun because in our heart of hearts, we're burning to have justice. We want to get our pound of flesh because, darn it, we deserve it. And Jesus is saying, ah, let it go. Number five, know your enemy. You can hate someone you don't know, but you cannot love them. Jesus' command to love enemies involves getting to know people who are diametrically opposed to you. It means getting to know them and getting into their lives. The the last thing that human beings are naturally tribal. We are not, we naturally gather to our own and we, we don't like to venture out. And Jesus is saying, I want you to. I want you to get to the people who are outside your circle, who are honestly at odds with you, enemies. And I want you to get to know them and see if you can have affection for them. See if you can do good to them. Again, something, yes, you can do today, but boy, no one wants to. Six. Do good for God, not for others. This is the virtue signaling message. Don't just do good things so that people will give you stuff and like you more. Do it because God has asked you to. We asked, how much less would you do if only God knew? Again, I love doing good stuff, but primarily because I want people to think I'm great. Not because it's good stuff. Number seven, last but not least, prayer. Eyes on heaven, feet on the ground. This was last week. When you're praying, eyes towards the kingdom of God, yet firmly planted in what's happening now. Again, when we pray, we want it to be about us, and we want it to be about manipulating God, to getting what we want. And and Jesus is saying, no, I want your prayers to be anticipating the kingdom. I want it to be about my stuff. If you compound all of those things, this is just, we've only gone through one half of the Sermon on the Mount, by the way. This is like the middle point of the Sermon on the Mount. And this is all the stuff that Jesus has taught so far. And you might look at that and you might realize that's a heck of a lot. And boy, I don't want to do it. In fact, you might ask yourself a question. Is it really worth it? Is it really worth it? We've said this is how you flourish now. But, but we all know deep down that yeah, maybe you, there's some kind of spiritual sense of peace or whatever, but really, really, this is not a great way to get a Tesla. This is not a great way to get a vacation property. This is not a great way to get all of your social needs met. This is actually a way where you might be setting those things up and saying, I'm willing to let it go. And you have to ask yourself the question, is it really worth it? Am I willing to take these steps because this is going to get radical and it's going to cost me something? And that's the, the, the question that Jesus is going to answer today. And of course, it's church, so spoiler alert, yes, it is. Right? I mean, that's the church thing. Like, oh, by all means, totally give up all the happiness in your life. I mean, absolutely. It'll be worth it. Let's read the text and see um, exactly what Jesus says. He says, uh, this is my uh, translation. I've adapted it um, just to make it smooth and easy in English. Don't collect treasures for yourselves on earth where moth and rust eat them and where thieves break in and steal them. Instead, collect treasures for yourselves in heaven where moth and rust can't eat them and where thieves can't break in and steal them. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be too. Collecting treasures. That sounds like Indiana Jones. 
uh, but it's, it's really not. Uh, collecting treasure. So if you know that if you're in Jesus' day, I mean, Jesus is probably speaking this to peasants, basically. And, uh, and peasants uh, live uh, their subsistence living, right? They, whatever they can get out of the ground is their food for the day. And if they get enough, maybe they can save some, but they don't have refrigerators like we do. So their food spoils quickly. It's actually pretty difficult to be in a situation where you feel economically secure in the ancient world. When Jesus is saying this, he's telling people, I'm, I'm saying, I, you know what you ought to be doing according to the culture, and that is collect treasures. Because if you can't depend on your food to, to, to stay, you know, good or whatever, there's a, a backup plan, an economic backup plan that you can engage in to be secure. So let's say that you're a farmer in the ancient, or a, yeah, a farmer in the ancient Near East, and you raise some olives, and your olive trees have a great harvest, and you take all of your olives to the market, and you get paid for them, and, uh, and you have so much, so much uh, money that you're able to, to, to pay for food for more than like a, about a week is maybe the max that you can get, and you have some left over from, from that. So you've got a little bit more money, and, and you, what do you decide to do with it? Well, in the ancient world, um, one of the best things that you could do is you could invest that money into what we call treasures, right? Something like, um, a, like jewelry, uh, or you could invest in like a tapestry or a mosaic for your home, something along those lines. You collect treasures uh, means that you, you have these things because in the ancient world, money isn't stable like it is in our culture. Uh, in our culture, we kind of expect a dollar to be worth a dollar tomorrow and the next day and the next day, despite all the inflation and all that stuff. We kind of expect that dollars are, are constant. The ancient world wasn't like that. The money that you had, uh, they were constantly minting new kinds of money. Uh, it, was very, it was very difficult to know what money was actually worth. We actually have, um, we have artifacts from the ancient Near East around Jesus' time, and we know that there were so many different types of currencies and monies that um, it, really, it was really actually difficult. Collecting coins was not a good way to, to invest. And so what people would do is they would exchange their coins quickly for something that had value. It was functional, right? Like jewelry. It's made out of gold. Not only that, but uh, you can wear it and look pretty. You know, mosaic, it's made out of, like, some nice material, and it's beautiful, and you can look at it, and presumably it has value over time. What you're doing in the ancient world is something very similar. Very similar. This is what Jesus would have been hearing, or his uh, hearers would have been hearing. It's very similar to what we think of as, like, getting ready for retirement. Okay? Collecting treasures uh, in in Jesus' day is, is something like a retirement plan. If you have enough of these things and you can get them together, then you have insurance against a bad olive harvest. You can sell some of the jewelry to, to get food. You can trade it out. Um, if you're really fortunate, if you're really lucky, you might be able to purchase property that can actually be income for you. Right? And that's very, very rare in Jesus' day, but it does happen. The idea is when, Jesus, when people hear Jesus saying, collect treasures on earth, what they're hearing is your retirement plan. They're hearing your security, your investments. And so it would be very radical for Jesus to tell people, oh, don't worry about your 401k. Psst, it's fine. Like who, who I mean, that, that's, that's madness. It's crazy. If we uh, look back at the text, where moth and rust eat them and where thieves break in and steal. When we think about um, collecting treasures... Right, and like I said, I think we have some pictures of treasures here. Yes, these. Uh, so this is all from roughly contemporary to Christ, um, Roman 
stuff, but this would have been seen in his world. His, uh, he, he knew Romans and, and knew Greek people. Um, the top there is like a mosaic. It's a, it's a beautiful, um, it's like they take these little pieces and they put them all together, little colored pieces, and then it makes this beautiful painting. Do you notice um, how faded it is? We have very few, um, well, we have a lot of, uh, of, you know, stuff that we've dug up in the ground, archaeology and whatnot from the ancient world. But um, notice that time has damaged this. And this is after it's been restored um, to the best of our ability. It still looks kind of like that. In Jesus' day, they didn't have climate control. I saw, I saw on Amazon now, you can buy, for your own home, you can buy a humidor for cigars that you plug in, and like I think it actually connects to your, your pipelines or something like that. And so it actually, you never have to worry about it. It's always kept at the right humidity. I mean, you can buy that now. They had nothing like that in the ancient world. In the ancient world, you like, just sweated it out, I guess. And so there was no, there was no way to protect uh, the stuff that you had. So decay was actually a really common thing. The stuff that we have from the ancient world was, was artificially preserved by like, things like Pompeii blowing up and covering things in ash. It was very rare to have something last. Moth, rust, destroy. The top right there, that's, a, um, that's the top of a ring. And this, um, this is in incredible condition, given that it's, yeah, approximately 2,000 years old. Um, you would have, there, there's like a, I thought it was jade, but apparently it's some other kind of gem. That's, uh, it's in there, it's like some people next to a horse, I guess. And then, you know, it's beautiful, it's blingy. But, but look how faded it's gotten, and how cracked. And the bottom is uh, what you would have probably walked on. So like Roman, if you were a relatively wealthy Roman citizen, um, you would have had floors that were made out of tiles uh, to, to walk on. And those two, of course, were, um, were damaged. What happens in the world is that, yeah, you get stuff, and it's sort of an insurance policy, but, but time and age um, can wreck things. And what's even worse in Jesus' day is thieves can take it. Uh, in Jesus' day, we know that the roads were very dangerous. There were many brigands um, out in, the, in Jesus' day, and they would hold people up at, uh, at sword point, and they would take uh, from people. Um, it was very common to have someone break into your house and get into your storeroom and, uh, and, and get your functional good things. And if you think about it, it not, not a whole lot's actually changed. Um, I have uh, some of the things that we invest in, now, I mean, I, I, I think, am I, I'm not allowed to have a 401k because of my job, but um, I can have an IRA. So I have to put in, uh, I have to maximize that every year to, uh, to make sure that I'm safe, which worked out really great for the people who had, like, maximized their investments in about 2006. And then they were ready to retire, and then the next two years they just got wiped out, and they ended up having to, to work um, even though they, they, they didn't want to. The top right, uh, or on the right side there, um, that's, uh, that's a Van Gogh. It's, it's uh, the portrait of Dr. Gachet. It sold in 1990 for inflation-adjusted dollars, $137.7 million. And it doesn't even look that good. I'm sorry, modern art is just a joke. <laughs> like, they, they, it's called movies, people. We figured out how to take photographs and do movies. I don't know why people are still painting. Like, what? <laughs> look at that. That, he's not bald. That's a hat on top of his head. 137.7 mil for that sucker. All right. 
And presumably the person who bought it thinks, well, uh, if I just hold on to this in a climate-controlled environment and make sure that no sunlight hits it, someday I can sell it off if I need to, and I can impress my friends as they, as they, as they watch it. And yet, and yet, you've heard there's, uh, there's these, these rashes of art thieves now. In fact, I heard they just found a, uh, a like a, it was Raphael or something like that. It was found in like the trunk of somebody's car that got pulled over. It had been, it'd been missing for 16 years and like some random art thief had been driving around. That happens. This is not safe. Maybe you're investing in, you know, your, uh, your vacation home. If you do, I highly recommend not buying here in Southern California. Not only can you not afford it, uh, but They've been telling me since like the 1990s that there's this big earthquake coming. And when it hits, dude, Arizona's going to be beachfront property. Like, I mean, that's a bad, that's a bad call. Like, if you're buying, buy in Phoenix. Phoenix is the future. What, what uh, Jesus is pointing out when he says that, that, uh, you know, this stuff is, is, well, it's, it's in your note sheets. It's, it's, it's insecure and transitory. Um, and, and not only should we notice that our stuff is insecure and transitory. When, when, like, the thief comes and he steals your stuff, what immediately happens is you recognize, my house is not secure, he took all my stuff, and then you think, if things had gone a little bit more wrong, I could be dead. It's not just your stuff that's insecure and transitory. It happens that you're insecure and transitory, too. Just like um, that that beautiful ring with the, the green gem had faded over time, so too our bodies fade over time. We too, the, the, the glint comes off and, and, and we start to have trouble walking and, and seeing. We too are insecure and transitory. So Jesus offers a solution. Instead, collect treasures for yourselves in heaven. Now, I, I, you might be a person who looks at that and says, oh, well, then what that means is don't worry about the earth. Like, just wait and heaven's going to be awesome. I want to say that might be true, but that is not taking Jesus' language seriously. Jesus has just said, hey, I know what a retirement plan looks like. I know, you get the, the rings and the jewelry and the property if you can, and then you have that's your, your, your retirement right there. I get that. I know what a retirement plan is. What he's saying is, I want your retirement plan not to be that stuff. I want it to be heavenly retirement. I want it to be uh, a retirement in heaven. And again, and again, notice, when you're collecting treasures, that, you know, in our, in our world, you know, we sort of hope that social security will be around. Um, I hope that my wife's pension won't be uh, taken by you dirty taxpayers when we uh, run out of money here in this state. Um, <laughs> no, we pay taxes too now. It's horrible. Uh, I, I, I get it. I, 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 you know, that's, that's kind of like our sense. Of, but what, what we do is we actually heap up stuff. We put stuff away with the expectation that that's going to make our, our future better. And I think that Jesus is being very serious when he says, I, I want you to start heaping up stuff so that your heavenly future will be better. That might be weird for some folks. 
In fact, what Jesus is assuming, and, and this is true, if you were in the ancient world, we know that um, Jesus, the people of Jesus' day would have had a very strong understanding of what heaven or the kingdom of God would be like. They would have had a very strong understanding that there would be rewards and benefits to, to living well in this life. That was, it's all over um, ancient Jewish literature. It, it's very common knowledge. The problem is, the problem is, is that in the intervening 2,000 years, we've lost that. I googled uh, what did I Google? Treasure in heaven? Wait, what did I Google? Treasure in heaven, I think. Did I Google that? This lit- No, no, go back, go back. There's, there's Scrooge McDuck. That literally came up on a Google image search. If you don't know Scrooge McDuck, you're probably not in your mid-30s to early 40s. But if you are in your mid-30s to early 40s, you know that nothing was cooler than Scrooge, like, dump, jumping. And this is like someone, uh, like, this is what heaven will be like. Like, like Scrooge McDuck diving into, into to gold. And, and moreover, what, what do you, what, honestly, what do you think heaven is like? I Google searched heaven. This is what we came up with. Mm-hmm. Top left, I'm assuming those are the pearly gates. Cute. Uh, and the top right, not sure what's going on there. A lot of um, interesting architecture and lion statues. Okay. <laughs> cool. Uh, and the bottom left is probably what the artist has done is try to take very literally the, the language in Revelation 20. It's a, a vision that John, um, who knew Jesus, had, and, and he explains what the new heavens and new earth will look like. And, and there's going to be like a tree of life and, and, and a river, and, and so presumably that's what that is. The bottom right is actually the New Jerusalem Monastery. It's in Russia. Um, and I could go for that. If that's what heaven looked like, that, that's a good-looking place. What do you think heaven's like? No, really. Because Jesus, um, he, just, he just did something radical, right? He just said, hey, here's all these seven things that I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to change your life so that you're heaven ready. So you're ready, and presumably it's a, if you live this way, you actually will be collecting a retirement plan in heaven. But those things are really hard for us to do. Um, if you're in junior high or high school, you're probably much more interested in what people think about you than you are in telling the truth. If you're um, an adult, you're probably much more interested in letting um, sleeping dogs lie than, than ripping off the scab and trying to reconcile with somebody who hates you. These are really difficult things that Jesus has asked. And he's, and he's throwing it on the line. He's saying, here's why it's worth it. Because there is a place, heaven, that's real, that's coming. And if you do this, you will be heaping up a retirement plan there. Um, I, uh, I don't do a lot of investing I started a little bit of investing in cryptocurrency. I admit it. That stuff is so cool. Uh, just a little bit, not a lot, just to, just for fun. And one of the things uh, I, I, I heard when I was trying to figure out what it is that people do when they're investing, and some of you are probably familiar with this, but there's this guy, Peter Lynch. I think he might be the guy, like Merrill Lynch Lynch, but maybe not. I don't know. But he's a famous investor. He, like, ran hedge funds, made billions got like a 29% return rate over like a 25-year period. I mean, genius, right? And he says this. He says, um, know what you own and why you own it. 
This is investing advice. Know what you own and why you own it. The idea being, he's like, he's like, if you're going to invest in something, you need to research it. You need to have a really strong understanding of what it is. Because if you really know what it is, then you won't be worried about fluctuations in the market. You won't be worried about the ups and downs because you know the value. And if you know the value of it, you're going to be really interested in it. You're going to love it, and you're not going to be worried about it. You're not going to stress out that things are going to go badly for you. If you know what you own and why you own it, you can invest with confidence. The same thing goes for heaven. The biggest problem we have is that we... D- that was a very bold statement. The biggest problem we have. There's probably larger problems, but this is, this is top five, especially for Christian people. One of the biggest problems we have, we have no idea what heaven is like, and so we have no idea what it would even mean to collect treasures there. We have no idea what an investment in heaven might actually look like. We get the, the next slide. Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be too. If you know what heaven's like and you know what to expect based on how you're doing stuff here, like if that's really a thing, then, then boy, you're, you're suddenly going to transform because in, instead of worrying about your 401k here, you're going to actually be worrying about what your heavenly experience is going to be like. And, and, and because of that, you're going to be encouraged, excited to put more stuff there, to really heap up treasures there, to really get something that's really good. Before we go any further, do not anyone think that what I'm saying is that uh, if you want to get to heaven, you need to do some stuff. I'm not. That's crazy. That's totally against everything that we have in the New Testament. Uh, getting into heaven is, is grace. You simply believe and you're regenerated just as we had in our, our, um, our verse of the month. But once you have been regenerated, throughout the New Testament, visions of what heaven is like and how to have a great experience there keep showing up. And what's crazy is, is that in the modern church, nobody talks about it. And as a result, we have a whole bunch of Christians who know that they probably ought to be truth-tellers, diffuse the anger bombs, do all the things that Jesus says. But they're like, eh, is it really worth it? Last thing in your note sheets is, is this. You'll never really invest in heaven unless you are certain about what heaven is like. So here's what we're going to do. Over the next uh, several weeks, really um, through, through Easter, through Resurrection Sunday, we're going to find out what the Bible says heaven is like. And we're going to find out what it looks like for those who actually have collected treasures there. We are going to explore the motivation, the reasoning behind your holy living now. We're going to answer that question, is it really worth it? And we're going to see that it actually is. There are probably some people here who are like, well, even if we could understand what the Bible says about it, I mean, isn't that just an old silly book that, uh, I mean, written by a whole bunch of weird people, they're having visions. Like, come on, is that really trustworthy? 
different, que- different ser- sermon series. Maybe we'll get to that at some point. I want you for, if you have that, if that's your question for you, I want you to contact me. I want you to talk to me personally. I'd love to talk to you about why I think the Bible is trustworthy, why I think that it really is um, the truth, and re- we can trust what it says about heaven. I'd love to do that. Uh, so please, by all means. There may be some of you here who are like, okay, so if I'm getting you right, Tom, you're saying that what we need to do is like, like think about our, our future and selfishly try to hoard things for ourselves in heaven rather than on earth. Doesn't that seem like not at all what Jesus is like? Doesn't that seem really capitalistic? Doesn't that seem really greedy? I, yeah, I can see that. But look, remember, I'm not the one who told you to do this. Jesus did. So presumably he thinks it's worthwhile. But, but hold on to that. Hold on to that, uh, that, that question. L- come back. Stay with us and, and start to hear what heaven is like. Start to hear what it looks like to have treasures there. And then tell me. And then come back and tell me whether or not it's selfish to seek that. Okay? So hold that. Hold that thought and, 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 and be thinking about that in the back of your mind. And then there may be some here who are like, I got plenty of time. I'm like 14 years old. I'm all about like investing in heaven once I turn 35. (laughs) Yeah, okay, I get you. Um, one (laughs) One of the tough things about the job is you get to go to the hospital a lot. If you think that your next 15 years, 25 years are guaranteed, you're crazy. If you think um, that you'll just put it off, uh, just wait, you're rolling the dice big time. Not saying it won't work, just saying that that's a bad way to bet. And I think what we're going to see is that it really is true. This life of treasure in heaven actually does mean treasure now in our lives. It really does mean flourishing now in our lives. It means being in a place of whole, peaceful satisfaction. It's the thing that everyone honestly wants at the end of the day. And as we learn about what heaven is like, and as we see what it looks like to be rewarded there, to, to have an a super excellent experience of heavenly life, I think we're going to see why that translates into do it now. Don't wait. Don't wait until, you know, your 30s. Do it now. Last but not least, uh, maybe you're somebody who, uh, you know, you feel like it's too late. I, uh, I screwed up. I'll just be glad to get in. I don't want to, I mean, I don't mind. You put me, put me to work, you know, scrubbing toilets in heaven. That's fine. At least I'll be there. Uh, you know, I think you might be underestimating God's grace and his forgiveness. You know, you're, whatever happened before today, that's wiped clean. Don't even worry about that. That's taken care of. You can actually begin your treasure, uh, <laughs> your treasure collection now, and it can be wonderful. Don't, don't assume that your past um, and your even your present, is, is disqualifying you from this. It's not. Today is your day. Stop the, the treasure collection now. Start the treasure collection then. Um, 
I don't know what we're going to call this, seri- this mini-series within the series. I was thinking about the savvy investor. But that seems like really worldly. So, I mean, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe, maybe. We'll see. Uh, but I do want to uh, say this. Um, Easter's coming up. Not too, long, not too far. Easter Sunday, it's going to be um, the first taste of forever. We're actually going to be looking at um, what resurrection life will be like, heavenly life will be like, because we're going to be looking at what Jesus' life was after he was raised from the dead. And we're going to get a, a real strong sense of what it'll actually be to live and breathe and move in heaven and living that life. So um, if that's something that's of interest uh, to you, by all means, uh, put that in your calendars. And last but not least, you probably know some people in your life who are like, huh, I wonder if there's an afterlife, and if there is, what it's going to be like. Get those people here! I want them to hear what the truth about what the afterlife is like because I want them to get excited about it too and I want them to get saved and converted. I'm, I'm not, I, I will be honest on my motives here. I want new people to believe in Jesus. We are not using, did you know there's a pool back there? Yeah, we don't use it at all. We're not converting anyone. There's baptisms that we could be doing there. I love dunking people. It's awesome. And you know what? And you know what? I don't even have to be the one who dunks them. You can do it. Feel free. But we need people to come to faith in Christ to begin developing their heavenly lives. Let's do it. So bring them out. Let's pray. Gracious God, we uh, confess that you are good and that you truly are fully, completely loving and gracious and that you have a good future for us. A future with treasure, a future that um, we can seize, that we can experience now and look forward to a place we really can invest, a real retirement plan, an eternal retirement plan. God, I pray that you will open our eyes over the next few weeks to, to really clearly see what you have for us. And I pray that it'll tug on our heartstrings, that we'll be willing to make radical sacrifices and changes to seize it. I pray, God, for those who don't know what to expect in the afterlife, who don't know where they're headed in the afterlife, that they will come and see the beautiful future you have for them, to have hearts changed by your grace and your love. All this, God, we set before you in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen.